0: Good morning and good coffee, everybody. Hey, it's time for some morning coffee with Larry. And I am glad that you are here to join me today for a little coffee, a little tea, a little whatever the heck you're drinking today. Hey, guess what? It's Friday. I love Friday so much. And it is Friday the 28th of February. You would think it should be the last day of the month, but nope, this is a leap year, so... All you people who were born on the 29th you finally get to have a birthday tomorrow. Isn't that exciting? So <laughs> if you're uh if you're 4 years old or or if you've had four birthdays or you're know, you're getting ready to be 16 or whatever, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> I always feel sorry, but I also uh, kind of envy because that's such a a unique way of having birthdays. But that's tomorrow, Saturday, and today is Friday, and it looks like it's going to be a pretty decent weekend. So that's a pretty good thing. Uh, also... Um, on Sunday, that'll be the first of March, so if you were like me as a little kid, there was a big focus on March coming in. Does it come in like a lamb and go out like a lion, or does it come in like a lion and go out like a lamb? I really don't know where that little bit of trivia comes from, or not, not necessarily trivia, but that little... uh uh, you know, superstition or wives' tale or however you want to term it. I need to look that up sometime because that's that's just kind of an interesting uh, little thing. But it looks like, from uh, the way the weather is right now, uh, the first Sunday is supposed to be a pretty decent day. Uh, let me just pull that up again real quick uh, to see how it's going to be here in our in our little neck of the woods, yeah, it's supposed to be partly sunny and 58 degrees, and that's good. Let's hold off the rain until Monday. We're supposed to have rain here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, so... And then we're going to have some more sun again. <laughs> Maybe spring is here. That'd be great. That would be great. Well, uh tell you what, I thought... um uh, Kind of along the idea of trivia, you know, with that whole March thing, lambs and lions. Um, I was thinking last night, looking around on my laptop, and I thought, you know what, let's try something a little bit different. You know, I'm a person that loves trivia. I love quirky little Tidbits of information. My wife says I have lots of useless information, which I agree with her. And uh, I claim to be a part of the organization called, uh, named the Keepers of Odd Knowledge, which is the acronym is Kook. And I'm proud to say I'm a kook when it comes to odd knowledge. So I thought I would share some odd knowledge with you about the father, who's often called the father of psychology, the father of modern uh, uh, psychoanalysts, um, psychoanalysis. gosh trouble talking today, but the good old Sigmund Freud, you know, he was uh, definitely breaking ground, and as with each and every theorist that breaks ground, uh, the uh, uh, a lot of the different ideas or things are proven wrong or are dismissed as more and more people, you know, walk that path, and that's the case with Sigmund Freud. There's some stuff I think he he got kind of right. There's some stuff that was interesting theory. There's some stuff that it's like, seriously? But you have to also, when you think about the different things he wrote about, he lived in an entirely different time and place. He did a lot of his work in the late 1800s in Vienna, Austria, and that was a different world. That was a very different world than what we had. But here's some interesting facts about uh, Sigmund Freud. And I, I found this uh, this article from at History.com, and it's by Christopher Klein. And I'll try to get a, a link to this if I can. It was originally posted in 2014, and it was updated in 2018. But it's just kind of an interesting little thing. So we've got 10 10 things you may not know about Sigmund Freud. So number one, uh, Freud's death may have been a physician-assisted suicide. I had never heard this one. By the summer of 1939, Freud was frail and suffering intense pain from terminal, inoperable mouth cancer. On September 21st, 1939, Freud grasped the hand of his friend and doctor, Max Shore, and reminded him of his earlier pledge not to, quote, torment me unnecessarily, unquote. He added, quote, now it is nothing but torture and makes no sense, unquote. After receiving the permission of Freud's daughter, Anna, Sure, injected the first of three heavy morphine doses. Freud slipped into a coma and never awoke. So that's kind of an interesting thing. I knew he had mouth cancer. I knew that he was, uh, you know, there. There was a consequence to all the cigars that he smoked, and uh, uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of interesting there. Number two, and this ties in with it, his chain smoking led to more than 30 cancer surgeries. Freud became addicted to tobacco after lighting up his first cigarette in his 20s. His daily constitutionals always included stopovers at a local tobacco store. And after graduating to cigars, he often smoked more than 20 of them a day. Holy cow. On occasion, I will have a cigar around a campfire, usually once or twice a year. Mm. But holy cow. I mean, these probably were not small little swisher sweets. Well, let's see. There's a picture of him here. No, he doesn't have his famous cigar in his hand. But 20? 20? Okay, in spite of the warnings from doctors about his chain smoking, Freud believed the habit enhanced his productivity and creativity. After the discovery of a cancerous tumor inside Freud's mouth in 1923, doctors removed a large part of his jaw. Although he underwent 33 additional surgeries over the next 16 years he had, and had a large prosthesis inserted to separate his sinus and jaw, Freud never quit smoking. Wow, that's a hardcore smoker there. Let's see, number three. Yeah, this one I, I knew about. Uh, Freud once thought cocaine was a miracle drug. And I've met several people who... Kind of thought it was too. Um, In the 1880s, Freud grew interested in a little known legal drug being used by a German military doctor to rejuvenate exhausted troops cocaine. Freud experimented with the drug and found his digestion and spirits improved after drinking water laced with dissolved cocaine. He distributed doses to his friends and a future wife and touted the drug's therapeutic benefits in an 1884 paper titled On Coca, which he called, quote, a song of praise to this magical substance. Unquote. However, when Freud gave cocaine to close friend Ernest von Fleischmarckxau, To wean him off of his morphine addiction and relieve chronic pain, his friend instead developed a cocaine addiction. With news of other addictions and overdose death spreading, Freud stopped advocating cocaine's medical benefits, but continued to use the drug intermittently for migraines, nasal inflammation, and depression until the mid-1890s. Wow. So, just because Freud recommended and just because he continued after he stopped recommending please you don't go out and start using cocaine you know if you're having a headache i think we've got some other things available over the counter that you know hopefully would uh would work uh better with less consequence but yeah it is kind of interesting because cocaine was uh, a legal substance at one time and of course was Added to a lot of soft drinks. Uh, Pretty well all the soft drinks uh, prior to, well, starting, what was it? Yeah, starting, you know, in that time period. I'm trying to think when Coke started. That was 1885. In the first 25 years of Coca-Cola, cocaine was the uh, pep, pep, pick-me-up ingredient. So, uh, And then there was changed to caffeine. Let's see the next one. Number four, he turned down $100,000 from a Hollywood mogul by 1925. Freud's fame had spread so widely that movie producer, Samuel Goldwyn that, you know, MGM studios offered the Viennese psychoanalyst whom he called quote, the greatest love specialist of the world. Unquote. (laughs) That just cracked me up. Uh offered him $100,000 to write or consult on a film script about the great love stories of history. In spite of the eye-popping offer, Freud turned it down as he did a $25,000 offer the year before from the publisher of the Chicago Tribune to psychoanalyze the famed criminals Leopold and Loeb as they waited their sensational murder trial. Gosh, you know, stop and think about $100,000 back in 1925. That'd be a lot of money. Gee whiz. Uh, number five, the inter- his book, The Interpretation of Dreams, was initially a commercial failure. Yeah, this is probably his most... Famous book. I mean, there. You know, if, if a person's really into Freud, they may have their favorites and stuff. But this is this is the one that probably most people would recognize. And it says the book Freud considered his most significant work produced little fanfare when it was published in 1899. Only 351 copies of The Interpretation of Dreams were sold in its first six years, and a second edition was not published until 1909. Holy cow. That's something. Gee, my book from 20 years ago did better than that. So, uh, as far as at least in the first six years. So, that's interesting. Interesting. Number six, his famous couch was a gift from a grateful patient. Freud employed hypnotism when he opened his medical practice in Vienna in 1886. Yeah, there's kind of an interesting backstory there because he he uh, was actually studying to be a physiologist, and he had heard about a unique technique over in Paris called hypnosis so he went to Paris studied the technique brought it back and started discovering that a lot of the problems that people had that they thought were physiological were not because under hypnosis they could do things that they couldn't do and uh, otherwise and that's when he started diving into the mind (sighs) And uh, so it says here, uh, let's see, uh, opened his medical practice in Vienna in 1886, and he found it easier to put patients into trances if they were laying down. When he began to employ his talking cure... In his psychoan- psychoanalysis, Freud also had his patients recline on a couch covered with a Parisian throw rug, given to him as a great as a thank you gift from a patient named Madame Benvedisti while he took notes in a chair out of sight. You know, one of the things that I had heard over the years was the reason he sat behind the couch was people were saying such embarrassing things as a part of that polite culture of, you know, uh, Vienna, Austria, that he couldn't look at them in the eye as they were saying these things. So he sat behind them. Number seven, the Nazis burned his books and drove him from Austria. Although an atheist himself, Freud was born into a Jewish family and became a particular target of the Nazis when they rose to power. His books were among those burned by the Nazis in 1933, which caused him to quip, quote, What progress we are making. In the Middle Ages, they would have burned me. Nowadays, they are content with burning my books, unquote after germany annexed austria the nazis raided his apartment and the gestapo detained and interrogated his daughter anna with the assistance of a friend and patient princess marie bonaparte a reluctant freud fled to paris and then london with his wife and anna yeah i had i had heard about that uh you know and that she uh she paid a ransom i believe to get him out Uh, Part of the old uh, uh, royalty of before in a previous age. Number eight, four of his sisters died in Nazi concentration camps. Bonaparte attempted but failed to also obtain exit visas for four of Freud's sisters. The psychoanalyst died just weeks after the launch of World War II. The four sisters left behind in Vienna were eventually sent to Nazi concentration camps where they died. Number nine, Freud studied the sex lives of eels. I had not heard this. (laughs) While enrolled at the University of Vienna, a young Freud studied zoology. On a research trip to Trieste, T-R-I-E-S-T-E, To study the sexual organs of eels, his professor assigned him the task of finding the gonads of the male of the species, a discovery that had eluded scientists for centuries. Freud spent many hours dissecting eels to no avail. Quote, all the eels I have cut open are of the tenderer sex, he reported. (laughs) Oh my. That's that's kind of interesting. But again, he was he was studying physiology. So, number 10, our last little trivia quip about Sigmund Freud. After Freud's death, his ashes were placed in an ancient Greek urn given to him by Bonaparte. When his wife Martha passed away in 1951, her ashes were added to the vase stored at London's Golden Green Crematorium. In January of 2014, London police reported that thieves had attempted to swipe Freud's ashes. Although the thief was thwarted, the thieves severely damaged the 2300-year-old urn. So, that's interesting. I did not know that, and that was just that was just 6 years ago. So, anyway, well, a little bit of trivia on the father of psychology as you go into your weekend. And uh, I hope you have a great weekend. I hope it's a uh, uh, you're able to be outside, have fun, accomplish lots of, of uh, rest and relaxation. And if you have to work and this is not your days off, well, make the most of it and we will see you all for a cup of coffee on Monday. Have a great one, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.